What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Fireside Yankees podcast. I'm Sam. You guys don't really typically see my face on a podcast, but I'm here today because we're here. We're going to answer your questions. I'm here with my buddy Ryan Garcia. Ryan, what's going on? How you doing today, pal? I'm doing great. You know, I mentioned us a lot last podcast, but I have to mention it again. I have to two-time this. Uh, doing great. You know, the Eagles got sent home. Feeling great about that. My GOAT, Baker Mayfield, QB6, my guy. Um, sends, sends the Eagles home, but now, I mean, I guess like, I know that the football players playoffs are still going on, but we're what a month away from pitchers and catchers reporting. So not that it's the baseball feel yet. It's still freezing cold, but starting to get that, those tickles, man, you know, Josh Van Meter really got me going. I'm not going to lie. Josh Van Meter. And listen, I just tweeted this out. Josh Van Meter has logged innings at pretty much every position possible um, during his major league career and even at catcher. So maybe the Yankees signed their new IKF. I don't really know. I'm not going to miss IKF too much. And I don't really know if we're going to see Josh Van Meter too much. Um, But what I will comment on the Philadelphia Eagles situation, I'm a Philadelphia local. I live about 40 minutes away, and I absolutely hate the Eagles, and I could not be happier and couldn't be smiling any more than I already am about them getting knocked out of the playoffs. And my Bills moved on, so our Josh Allen agendas just continue to thrive. Uh, But like I mentioned at the top, we're here to answer your questions today. This is a mailback episode. Thank you guys, everybody who ended up responding. We ended up getting a ton of responses. I want to say it ended up being about 50 or 60 questions that ended up coming through. We took five of them today. Some of them are kind of jammed in and we'll kind of talk about some other things and really questions that were on aren't specifically going to be answered on the podcast, but we'll dive into some of those other questions that were on there. Um, so I think that we should just get right into it. Uh, we have five right ahead. I'm going to start with the first one. So here's our first question. This is from MVP underscore 24 on Instagram. Thank you for the question. This is honestly probably the best one we've gotten. Um, what would be the most important aspect of our team looking forward to the 2024 season, and how is it going to help the team to winning as much needed games and heading to the playoffs again? I'm going to let you rock with this one first. I have a pretty designed answer, so I'm going to let you go first. What you got for me? The first like part of the team I think of is starting pitching, and the first player I think of is Carlos Rodon. Carlos Rodon, before signing with the New York Yankees, had a 2.88 ERA in 2022, struck out 33.4% of batters face. Like, there were legitimate conversations about, hey, is Carlos Rodon the best pitcher now in the New York Yankees? Obviously, that didn't go the way that some people thought it would. Uh, he ended up putting up negative war with the Yankees, and uh, Garrett Cole unanimously won the Cy Young. So, legitimate polar opposite outcomes. Um, but he was a six-war pitcher that year. Even the year prior, where he only made 24 starts in his last year with the White Sox, had a 4.9 war. You get either of those outcomes out of Carlos Rodon this upcoming season. And, I mean, we're talking about one of the best duels in baseball in Coral Rodon. And suddenly, the performance of Cortez and Stroman, not that it's not important, but, you know, you view it them as the battle for the fourth starter in the playoffs because the Yankees are probably going to want to acquire another star at the deadline. Even in 2022, when they had that like insane run with their rotation where like Jameson Tyon was like getting perfect game bids and, you know, Nestor Cortez was the best pitcher on the planet, whatever it may be. They still went out and tried to get Frankie Montas and ended up getting Frankie Montas. They showed interest in Luis Castillo. They were in a lot of different markets. In fact, they almost tra- traded for Carlos Rodon and they almost traded for Pablo Lopez. So they were looking for two starters that year. So they're very aggressive at the deadline. Um, I imagine they'll try to find somebody to either slot in between Carlos Rodon or slot behind them, depending on how well Carlos Rodon is pitching. But Carlos Rodon, in my opinion, is the most important aspect of this team. If he's elite, I nearly guarantee the New York Yankees will uh, win their division. And also, and this is not statistically related, but if Carlos Rodon is good next year, that's just not something that happens to the baby bomber Yankees. Usually if a player is bad, it's never like, oh, they have the potential to be good. They'll be back. Like usually it's like Frankie Montas, like he'll be fine 2023, full season acclimate. And then he, you know, tears his shoulder and he misses the entire year. And then he signs a $16 million contract with the Reds, right? Or Sonny Gray, it's like, all right, you know, 
first year in 2017, solid. Hope he builds on that. And then he stinks in 2018. They gets traded and becomes a multi-year all-star and finishes second in the Cy Young vote this past year. Or, um, you know, even like smaller examples like J.A. Happ, right? Like J.A. Happ just stunk with the Yankees after 2018. So the Yankees really haven't had the like instances of they get a pitcher and that guy, you know, comes in and he dominates outside of really Garrett Cole. So if Carlos Rodon does that, I just feel like it would be a departure from teams past. I feel like I'm like, all right, the, the energy here is different. Like this does not happen to us. Um, and yeah, I think he's the most important player to bounce back next year. Yeah, I love that answer. And he's actually a part of my answer as well. And really my answer here is all about this team's health. Now, there are certain players that we can pinpoint here that when they're healthy and when they're producing, they're legitimate players for this team. And the team is at their best when they're there. Carlos Rodon is one of those guys. And like you mentioned, you know, he didn't really get an entire year last year. He's pretty much hurt the entire season. Ended up coming back and was one of the worst pitchers in baseball. I think you give him an entire offseason. He's thin now. I don't know if you saw that picture that's been going around on social media, but he's thin now. And I fully expect him to kind of have a bounce back resurgence type year. Second name I'm going to talk about is John Carlos Stanton. Obviously, he's always had these, you know, injury plague type seasons. And last year was a career low for him on every aspect of the planet. He was absolutely terrible. Ended up hitting 191. And I think he only played about 106 games last year, Ryan. That is a guy that when he's healthy, if you can get 130 games out of a player like that in the designated hitter spot, you're not going to be forced to play him in the outfield this year because they have that depth in the trade for Juan Soto and they traded for Alex Verdugo and even Trent Grisham. You don't need to stuff him in the outfield like you would in years past. So that's another guy that I think when healthy, he's going to be provide a serious impact to this team. And you just can't get much worse than that. Very similar to Rodon. Anthony Rizzo is another name who, again, before he got injured last season, was one of the best first basemen in baseball. He was on my all-star ballot. I think that, that was my guy for the American League at first base. Gets, gets a concussion with Tatis, falls off a cliff, right? Was not the same player whatsoever. If you can get 2022 Anthony Rizzo in 2024 this season, that's a significant impact. That's a 120 WRC plus. It's a 30 home run type guy that you're going to hit in your four or five slot, and he's going to be incredible for you. And then, you know, I have two more names. Actually, just one more name for you here. That's Cortez Jr. Um, this is a guy in 2022 who is generational and put up a career type year that I'm not really sure we're ever going to see again. But I think that we can expect some sort of bounce back. And this is another guy that was not healthy for the entirety of last season. If he can stay on the field, stay consistent, maybe give you a low four, maybe a high three ERA for the entire season. That's a guy you're looking at as your four or five starter. That type of production would be doable for a team that, you know, is looking to win 95, 100 games and is looking to get to a World Series. So I think that health and the... You know, the overall production of these players that haven't been healthy over the last couple of years has got to be, like, the biggest key for this team. Just because you just need these guys to produce, right? You know what Aaron Judge is going to give you. You know what Watson is going to give you. You know what Garrett Cole is going to give you on a day-in and day-out basis. But those, you know, four or five guys really staying on the field and being, you know, two, three war players for an entire season, I think that's your biggest key, without a doubt to me, Ryan. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned Anthony Rizzo, and we talked about this beforehand. Anthony Rizzo, like, 2022 Anthony Rizzo was just so sick to have because he was a good, not even just a good, he was a great left-handed hitter. I'm pretty sure he finished, like, top 30 in WRC Plus that year. Imagine you get a top 30 hitter out of Anthony Rizzo with Aaron Judge and Juan Soto. Like, if the Yankees get one other guy to finish in, like, the top 30 in WRC Plus, and they're going to be, I think they're going to be a really good offense. And then for Stanton... I also think the pressure isn't as existent, right? Like he doesn't need to be the second best hitter on the New York Yankees this year. If he is the second best hitter on the New York Yankees this year, either A, he had the best year of his career, the second best year of his career, or B, something horrible has happened to one of Judge or Soto. And so, like, there's that's a double-edged sword. Ideally, you know, Judge and Soto are the two best hitters on the team, but I'll take, you know, staying going, you know, home run for home run with Judge. Like, that would be sick. Also, like, 
kind of harkening back a little bit here, you get the 2021 version of Stanton. Like, the, the big thing here isn't just, like, the offensive production. It's also when it happens. John Carl Stanton is clutch as shit, right? Like, like, let's be real here. Like, I there is something about, like, what he does in the big time, which is so funny because that's, like, the opposite narrative he had for, like, his entire tenure with the Yankees. When the postseason comes around, even when he doesn't have a great postseason, like, 2022 wasn't a great postseason for him, but he hit arguably the biggest home run of their season when he hit that three-run home run in, in Game 5, and he put that game away. That game was over when he hit that ball. Had he not hit that home run, I'm not saying he would have lost the game, but, like, I don't know. Like, would they have won the game? Who knows? Like, that offense was pretty feeble at that point. Like, Carpenter wasn't even active for the series. Judge didn't particularly play well in that series either. But once Stan hit that ball, like, the series was over. And I think he has that kind of effect. Like, could you imagine a world where, like, John Carl Stan is back to where he should be? Not even a 140 WRC+. plus, Like, 125 even? Um, and he's hitting in a lineup with Judge and Soto? Like... I'm sorry, in October, when he comes around, he'll have, like, a 180 WRC+. Plus. So, mm-hmm. those two guys are, like, pillars of this team I view them as. Yeah, I really like the the, the fact that you brought up 21 Stanton, because 21 Stanton was a guy that almost hit 280, had a 350 OBP, hit 39 home runs, clipped a 140 WRC+. Plus. You get that kind of production, you're taking that all day, and going back to the Rizzo thing, if, you know, he's the second best hitter on the team. Dude, if Anthony Rizzo goes out and has a 175 WRC+, plus, am I going to complain? Are you going to complain? Absolutely not. It's unrealistic, but I'm not going to complain about it whatsoever. So, And again, these are, with Aaron Judge and Watson at the top of your lineup, these aren't players that you're going to really rely on every single day like you did last season and really like you did in 22, just because... You added a premier bat. You added a top 10 bat in baseball in Juan Soto. You're just not worried about what you're going to get from the 6-7 spot anymore, right? I mean, obviously, we're still going to harp on it, and we want the, those guys to be as be- the, you know, the best versions of themselves, but it's not necessarily a worry. You're not hitting Jake Bowers and Willie Calhoun in the three slot anymore. You're going to hit Juan Soto. It's going to be perfectly okay. Um, so let's move on to the next question. I actually really like this question, and this is pertaining to really the outfield and one of the younger guys. This question is about Jason Dominguez, and this is from Benji underscore Knowles on Instagram. Thank you for the question. I absolutely love this one. How do you think Dominguez fits onto the roster this year with Soto, Judge, Verdugo, Grisham, and Stanton, assuming he's our designated hitter? Now, I have an answer for this. I think this is really how this is going to pan out. So, we got comments, um, I want to say it was about a month ago at this point, from Aaron Boone, that heading into spring training, that Jason Dominguez would look like a regular player. Now, I think that he gets a full spring training, and I think he probably starts the year in AAA. I don't expect him to be on the opening day roster. Granted, this is a kid that's still 20 years old. He still needs time to develop. He's not going to come up and be one of the best players in baseball immediately. He was great when he came up, don't get me wrong, but I don't expect him to walk in and slot in like a like a Juan Soto did when he was 18. I expect him to, you know, have some time and to be able to develop. And, you know, maybe two, three, four months in, I would assume probably near the All-Star break. I think that if he's up for it and if these performances are, you know, on par with what we expect from Jason Dominguez, you're going to look at an outfield trio of Juan Soto, Aaron Judge, and Jason Dominguez. You're going to see Verdugo either slot to the bench or get traded for a reliever, for a starting pitcher. And I think that you hold on to Trent Grisham just because he's not an expiring contract like Alex Verdugo is, and he ends up being your fourth outfielder every day. I don't really see a world where they have Grisham and Verdugo. I think that would be odd. But granted, post-All-Star break, you're looking at Alex Verdugo and you're like, okay, like, are you going to be on this playoff roster? Or do we unload you for a top-tier bullpen arm that we can go out and just stock our bullpen up for a team that's going to end up, you know, maybe hopefully being a top three seed in the American League and just hopes you get to a deeper playoff run? Um, I just think that's the three that you end up rolling with if Dominguez is up to snuff for it. Ryan, where do you think Dominguez fits in this entire plan and this entire scheme for the Yankees outfield this year when he comes back healthy? 
Yeah, so kind of as you alluded to, it, it, for me, it feels like a if thing, not if things go wrong, but like based on the Yankees' needs, right? Like it's not going to be a matter of Dominguez is back, he just kind of steals somebody's job because he's Jason Dominguez. I think it's a matter of, all right, you know, if we have an issue in left field, if somebody gets hurt, if we have an issue in right field, or whatever it may be, we'll call you up, right? Like just be ready for when we need you. And I think that's the mature and, and the proper way to handle this. Relying on a 21-year-old outfielder to save your season would be horrible. Like that is about as like that's about as bad of a process as it gets like that's fireable offense type level stuff um but you know if he I mean he the way he hit down the stretch it's hard to argue that he isn't going to be an impact player down the road he actually jumped up a lot in baseball America's rankings they consistently had him outside of their top 50 he is now their 16th ranked prospect and he's 20 years old right he's gonna turn 21 this year um you know is he on that Juan Soto pace of like being you know not being able to legally drink and having a world series and like being like a future hall of famer no but like Again, that's why Juan Soto, at one year, just one year of Juan Soto required a top 100 prospect, Michael King, and two other pitchers, right? Like, that's that's the type of player we're talking about. If Jason Dominguez is able to be, like, that leadoff guy for you, like, I, I, the Yankees are going to need one. I don't know who it is. Like, we don't know the answer to that question. We don't know if it's going to be LeMahieu or Verdugo. I'm not ready to, I'm not, like, I don't think anybody's ready to put Volpe there yet. Like, we don't know who that answer is going to be. Um, and, and I've always been like, oh, Soto at the leadoff spot, that would be a wonky idea that might work. But the Yankees are going to hit him third. Like, they're they're hitting Juan Soto third. That That's happening, right? Um, but ultimately, like, Dominguez could be the answer there. He stole, like, 40 bases last year. He runs wild. He does not get caught either. He got caught eight times and 48 attempts. Like, that's nothing. Can hit the crap out of the ball. Has great plate discipline. Makes excellent swing decisions. I view him as a guy that, again, as you mentioned, you know, if Verdugo, you know, has value somewhere else or isn't playing at a high enough level where you're like, this is my starting left fielder, or if, you know, Stanton is hurt, or if whatever it may be, like, things happen, that like, baseball happens, right? Um, Dominguez is there to help you. And look, I I, I think that Jason Dominguez is, is an MLB impact player, um, but I also think, again, like, the Yankees shouldn't force the guy to come up. They shouldn't force him to play this, as soon as he's healthy. When he's fully healthy, give him time. I don't want anything to happen to him. He is a long-term player, guys. Like This isn't just one year of Jason Dominguez. You've got him for the next six years. He hasn't even finished his first year of service time yet. So you've got him for the long run. Keep him, you know, make sure he's healthy, make sure he's ready. But when he is, he's going to make a big impact on this roster. Switch hitter, like, come on. That's beautiful. And I really do think that they take their time bringing him up because it's a different situation from what they had last year, right? Realistically, down the stretch when they called him up in September... The season was over. We were talking about, like I mentioned before, Jake Bowers and Billy McKinney in the outfield right now, right? But now that you have this sort of outfield depth that is exponentially grown, bringing in Alex Verdugo, bringing in Trent Grisham, and then all obviously bringing in Juan Soto, to pair with Aaron Judge, that's four guys right there that I feel you could rely on on a day-in, day-out basis. There isn't this overwhelming pressure on Jason Dominguez to instantly slide it into the slot and be like, hey, man, we need you to play, you know, 50 innings a week in center field for us every single week, no matter what, Right. It's not going to happen because they have this depth and they really improved on it this offseason. And there isn't going to be a ton of pressure on them. Granted, this is a 20-year-old kid. I'm 24 years old. You can't even slot me in center field. I would be scared shitless out there in center field, guys. This kid's 20. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's going to be pretty much impossible for that kind of pressure to be put on him. And, you know, to be able to have some of the older veterans like Rizzo and Judge and Soto and Stanton around them to kind of mentor him, kind of like with what they did with Volpe last year, I think it's going to be really helpful for his development. Um, so I think that, you know, in conclusion, they take their time. They let him get right. They let him get his swing back because, again, it's an adjustment after Tommy John surgery and be able to get that arm strength back because it's going to be really difficult. 
Um, and they end up calling him up, and we see what happens with Verdugo and how he's producing and whatever. If, if Verdugo's a generational bat, they're not going to let him go. But I think that the likeliest outcome is for, you know, if he's if Dominguez is good enough, he replaces somebody. And I think that that somebody would be Verdugo in the expiring contract. Um, so this next question is actually a pretty personal question. I actually like this. Not like personal in a bad way, but just personal, like our opinion type thing. You know what I mean? Now, this is from Jason Lewis on Twitter. Jason, thank you for the question. This is great. Ryan, I'm going to let you go first on this one. Um, who is on your Yankees Mount Rushmore? I want to hear your four. It's tough. I feel like going with four because there are a lot of like there are a lot of great Yankees, and it's weird because you kind of want to do one from every area. You don't want to just like right. go like you know all of them from like before I was alive. Um, but I feel like like Ruth has to be on there. Like he is arguably the greatest player of all time. Um, I feel like it's weird because like the, for like the nineties, you you think Jeter. Like Jeter is the most iconic Yankee, and in a sense, like Mount Rushmore. This isn't like all right, list the four greatest Yankees ever. But like I kind of need to put Mo there. I feel like too. Like Mariano Rivera is the first unanimous Hall of Famer ever, the greatest closer of all time. Like, he is so much better than everybody else at what he does. Like, nobody will ever be as good as him. Like, it, it's... It, honestly, he is to closers what, like, Babe Ruth is to hitters. Like, he is just rarefied air. Like, I, I, you don't argue even more so, because Barry Bonds can go toe-to-toe with Babe Ruth in terms of numbers. Ted Williams offensively can go toe-to-toe with Babe Ruth. Nobody goes toe-to-toe with Mariano Rivera out of the bullpen. Um, but I'll go Ruth... I'll go, I guess, you gotta put Gehrig, like, Mantle, DeMott, like, they're, 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 they can't do four. Um, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll pick, the, okay, I got this. I'll pick Ruth, Ruth, Gehrig I won't throw on there because Ruth is there and they were on the same team. Um, I'll go with Mantle, I'll go with Barra, like, um, Boomer take here, but Barra just won a crap ton of rings, like, you know, kiss the ring type thing, like, like you know, like, I, that's all I am, like, I gotta throw him on there. And then four, I guess I'll go, I gotta go with Jeter, I think. I think Jeter, like, he was the captain of that team. I want to put Mo. I, I feel bad not putting, like, DiMaggio or, like, but it's kind of crazy if you can be like, yeah, DiMaggio, no, or, like, DiMaggio, yeah, Jeter, no. Like, that's, it's tough, but those are my four. Yeah, my inner back and forth was actually between Joe DiMaggio and Mariano Rivera. Um, I actually have a guy that, did you put Mantle on yours? I did put Mantle on mine. Yeah, so Mantle's on, Mantle's on mine too. And Mantle is actually, um, obviously I was not around to watch him play, but that is actually like one of my favorite players of all time. Him and I actually share a birthday, crazy enough, which is really cool. Um, so like I wore number seven growing up, and even when I played football, I wore 77, literally just because of Mickey Mantle. Um, so mine mine would be Jeter, uh, Jeter, Ruth, Mantle, Rivera, I just, it's really hard for me to leave Mariano Rivera off, like you just mentioned. He's the all-time saves leader. He was a unanimous Hall of Famer. You know, and it's really weird because, like, leave it off Joe DiMaggio and Yogi Berra and even, like, a guy like Reggie Jackson, you know what I mean, is really hard because, like, these players are accomplished players. They're all Hall of Famers. They're some of the greatest baseball players of all time. And me just not putting them in that Mount Rushmore is absolutely ridiculous. But for what those four guys meant to the franchise and what they did with the franchise and their peaks were absolutely incredible, right? Like, it's insane to think about right now that the guy that, you know, Aaron Judge just broke his record, we're not even discussing him on this list. We're not even talking about Roger Maris because outside of that year, Roger Maris wasn't anything incredible like Aaron Judge is as a player. But still, like, that guy hit 61 home runs, dude. And we're just dude, we not even have to mention A-Rod. No, we're not like, even like A-Rod doesn't A-Rod. even the conversation. Like I don't, no. like, I'm not saying he doesn't belong in it, but 
Like, dude, if Judge continues, like, I, I tweet this out, and it's like, there's going to be a point in our lives where, like, we're posting an Aaron Judge home run. It's like, man, how perfect would, fit would prime Aaron Judge be in, like, the 2045 Yankee lineup? And, like, is he going to be in that conversation? Even if he wins a ring, like, that's, like, he might, he's going to be in the conversation, but, like, is he, like, is he a unanimous, like, you have to put him on the list kind of guy? That's kind of nuts to think about. Like, he might not be a you-have-to-put-him-on-no-matter-what kind of guy. Even I if he has a great career. I think he's a lot closer than I think people would think. He is, for sure. Don Mattingly. We didn't even talk about Don Mattingly. Not, not even talk about Don Mattingly. Didn't even talk. Yeah, but I, like, like, it's crazy. He's. I, I think, I, honestly, if he wins a ring, I think he's close to Mattingly. I think in, you know, four or five years at this point now, like... I'm looking at Judge and Jeter, and while I will never disrespect Jeter's impact to the franchise, like that, like I grew up on Derek Jeter, right? But like, I'm looking at their careers, and I'm like, dude, you guys are the exact same. You're a carbon copy, and Judge is probably going to outproduce him by that point in time, right? Obviously, not in like the hits category. He, Derek Jeter, obviously got three had three thousand hits and has the most hits in Yankee history, but it's not going to be a question of like. Oh, like who's the more talented player? I feel like it would like a hundred percent be Judge. And as far as you want to talk about the Jeter defense, like. Judge is an incredible defender out there, too, and he just absolutely hits tanks. So I think that in, you know, four or five years, we're going to be looking at Aaron Judge and having a serious conversations with ourselves. Like, is he a top three Yankee of all time? It's very realistic. Even if you get five five more years out of what Garrett Cole is giving you right now, I think it's very realistic. They're like, oh, hey, man, like, he could be up there, too. The way we talk about CC, like, we didn't even talk about CC. Dude, CC is another guy where yeah. like, he had a really good career at the Yankees. I know he had a couple down years, but I'm sorry. 2009, like, 2009, I feel like, meant a lot, meant, meant, made a lot of legacies for the Yankees. Like, A-Rod mm. and 2009, like, that is where, like, I think a lot of people are like, yeah, this guy is, like, this guy is tenor with the Yankees. It doesn't matter what the other about the other years, the controversies, the years where he wasn't great in the postseason. He won us a ring. Like, yeah. directly was the reason why the New York Yankees won a World Series. Um, and, and, you know, another guy that kind of, like, I, I just wanted to throw out there, you had Whitey Ford as well, who's probably, I think he's, like, the, he pretty sure he leads a franchise in, like, pitching war or whatever. Like, he's, mm-hmm. he's, and he has a lot of rings, too. He pitched, I think he has, like, the most World Series wins, too. Um, it's crazy. Like, those are just guys who, like, Bernie Williams is a career Yankee, really good career. Those are just guys who just, like, I mean, they're not going to ever be on the list, but will always be, like, you know, well-liked Yankees, well-respected Yankees, well-loved Yankees. Whitey Ford's a Hall of Famer, for Christ's sake. Uh, like, it's... It's nuts. It's genuinely crazy how many, like, all-time great talents. Like, and it's not like a – there's, like, a 40-year gap between these players. There's a player for every generation. Like, every generation of Yankee fans have a player that they're like, yeah, this guy's a Hall of Famer. It's us legitimately being spoiled because yeah. to be able to talk about these types of players in that manner and just leaving them off is absolutely absurd. I think it's, you know, really it's, – it's a testament to the amount of talent that's come through this organization over the, you know, the decades and decades of history that this team has and – you know, it's it's special, and I'm I'm blessed to be able to watch some of these guys that we do. And even when I was a kid, I'm blessed to watch those guys. It's really an incredible thing to, to witness. Um, so let's move on to the next question. So we're on question number four now. Five is the big one. Five is the big one, and, like, you're going to have to guide me through five. This is number four, but I think I have a pretty cemented answer for this one. This is from Ashton Asant. I think that's how you pronounce that last name. Ashton, I'm sorry. You're on Facebook if I pronounced that incorrectly. I thoroughly apologize, but I want to thank you for the question. Now, the question is, do you think we still have a chance at signing Blake Snell? I don't. I don't whatsoever. And here's why. The Yankees right now have the highest payroll in baseball at $295 million. And that's probably by a pretty large gap. I want to say it's by $30 million right now. The rotation as it stands right now is Garrett Cole, Rodon, Stroman, Cortez, Schmidt, right? 
I don't think with a with a Soto extension upcoming after this season or even mid season that they're going to guarantee money for another five or six years to another starting pitcher when they just paid Carlos Rodon last winter. I don't think they're going to shell out more cash, man. I really don't, and it sucks because I would love to see Blake Snell. I think he would be incredible for the Yankees. But right now, I don't think the organization's in a spot where they just want to spend another $25 million a year, especially with the Soto extension upcoming. And even they could trade for somebody. You know what I mean? I think they dive into the trade market if they go and get another starting pitcher or even another bat. Um, but I don't think they I don't think they bring in any other major signings right now, even over the $20 million mark for the rest of the offseason, especially for this year. Um, Ryan, where's your head at on that as far as the Blake Snell thing goes? And even starting pitching signings in general. Yeah, I think there's a better chance that I end up going out with Marty Robbie than the Yankees signing Blake Snell at this point. Like, I'm going to be honest with you, dude. Like, it's not happening. <laughs> like, I get this comment a lot on streams. I feel bad because, like, I, I, it's not that I want to be, like, a pessimistic guy. I don't even think it's pessimism. It's just like, hey, the Yankees are not going to – like, they, 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 they didn't sign Stroman to sign Snell. They signed Stroman because they didn't think they wanted to sign Snell. Um, I think the fact they're willing to put aside a lot of the stuff that they have uh, with them and Stroman having a very public, you know, beef for the last few years – um, I think they put it aside just because they were like, all right, who checks off the box of an impact starting pitcher who isn't going to cost a lot and isn't a long-term piece? And Strowman was legitimately the only guy who checked that box off for them. Um, and I, I think that's why they ended up with him. Um, you know, at the end of the day, they should also probably just wait till the deadline to figure out the starting pitching stuff. Not because they don't have a good enough rotation to, like, get through the season, but more so because, like, dude, why am I going to go get Blake Snell when, like, I could get Corbin Burns for some prospects for, uh, even if I'm not extending him, like, I, I would trade the prospects to take staff Corbin Burns if he's having, you know, one of his dominant years down the stretch. Like, could you imagine having a 2021 Corbin Burns with, like, you know, the calls were done we saw the, the two years before he came to New York and the Garrett Cole we've been accustomed to seeing? Like, you're, it's over. Like, I'm sorry. Like, well, I don't care who we face. We could face Yamamoto, Otani. The Dodgers could trade for Mike Trout midseason. Like, I, I'm taking that road to, I'm taking having three Cy Young caliber starters over, like, any advantage. Like, that's a that's an entire bait like you can you can control the runs you're giving up. That's that's a huge advantage. You're gonna storm through the AL. Like respectfully, the Yankees would have the two best pitchers in the AL, probably, you could argue. Um and yeah, ultimately, like the Yankees should look at this from the perspective of Burns is not getting moved right now. Bieber might not get moved right now, but I don't view Bieber nearly the same way I view Burns, and we don't know who becomes available at the deadline. I'm not gonna say I'm not saying they're gonna be bad, but like if the Phillies are just not good next year and Zach Wheeler's available. Like, that's another guy, like, in October, he's, he's money in October. Like, I, again, like, I'm, I'm a very, like, I don't believe that, like, past performance always indicates future success, but, like, I'm telling you right now, if you trade for Zach Wheeler, you ever were to land him on your team, that's seven shutty in the postseason. Like, I'm just throwing that out there. Um, so, yeah, like, I don't think it makes sense for the Yankees to do that for, when it comes to Blake Snell. And also, as you mentioned, like, they're just, I, I think that they would use that to not give Juan Soto the balls to the wall offer. And that terrifies me. I don't want anything that has any jeopardizing. Like, I was a little scared about Yamamoto in that sense. Like, I don't want anything that jeopardizes Soto on this team for the rest of his life. He needs to be the first Dominican-born player to have his number of time for the New York Yankees. Like, I, plain and simple. He needs to be here forever. Yeah, and another guy that I didn't even mention is Gleyber Torres, who will also be a free agent at the end of the year. And we don't know what the team's going to end up doing with that, but that's another guy that's going to hit free agency and that they're going to want to pay. So, again, I just I don't see a world where it's possible. And I'll tap on Marcus Stroman real quick because I was very indifferent about when they signed him. I was really just confused about it um, just because of the beef in the past and obviously everything that's going on on Twitter what I will say about Marcus Stroman is Marcus Stroman, from a fit perspective, is incredible for this Yankees team. He's awesome. He gives you innings. He gives you, uh, you know, for the past four, I think it's four or five years, he's given teams 
the teams that he's played with, I want to say it was like 180, 180, 130, 130. All ERAs below four. Ground ball rate through the roof. He had a 57.1% ground ball rate last year. Throws a lot of innings. Gets a lot of ground balls. Doesn't give up a ton of home runs. He gave up seven home runs in 29 games last year. That's per, that's a pitcher that's perfect for Yankee Stadium. And I think he's going to come with an edge. He's going to be super electric in that stadium. And I think he's going to end up being really good for this team. Granted, I said the same thing about Josh Donaldson before 2022, so I hope it's not a bad omen. But again, that's a player that I think is going to play really well at Yankee Stadium. And I don't think Mar- I don't think Marcus Stroman is going to be you know Cy Young, Blake Snell type level. But I still think he's going to be good for this Yankees team, and he's going to be doable, right? We're expecting a lot of the colors were down that next year. We're expecting Nestor to come back and be a lot better. Um, and even Clark Smith's going to throw a lot of valuable things for this team this year. So I think it's set right now. I think that's where your rotation's at. And again, I'm not going to sit here and moan about it because I think it's going to be a decent rotation. It should be a top five rotation in the American League. You still have the Cy Young winner, guys. Um, I just, I think they're going to, you know, heading into last year, it was a rotation that was very highly rated. And I think going into this year, it's, I think it's a rotation that's pretty underrated because they've been get they've been getting a lot of slack, and it looks a lot worse than it did heading into last year. So I think it's going to be a lot different. They're not going to sign Blake Snell. It's not going to happen. I don't know where Blake Snell goes. I really don't because I don't understand that guy's market whatsoever. But he's not going to be a Yankee, and that sucks. But it is what it is. Um, so let's move on to the last question. Now, this one is juicy. And we've been talking about this for the past couple of weeks. Not even weeks, it's been like two weeks. But I still love this rumor, and this is a player that I've wanted to be on the team for a very long time, and I think that he would lock down certain positions for you for the next decade plus. Again, another Swan Soto-type player, but he's not going to cost that type of haul. But this is from Yankees.hub underscore on Instagram. Thank you for the question. This is incredible. This is my favorite one of the day. What do you think would be a good trade package for Luis Arise and possibly Jesus Lazardo? So here you're getting a second baseman with two years of control that led the league of batting average last year, had a 130 WRC plus. And again, like I mentioned at the top, this is going to be your leadoff hitter for the next decade. He's incredible. His hit tool is out the roof. He is the best hit tool in baseball. And Jesus Lazardo is is an incredible pitcher who's going to slot in as your two or three guy for, again, the next five years and is still under team control. So I let this up to Ryan because he knows a lot more about the trades and the ins and outs of the prospects. He's a lot more knowledgeable than I am on this end. So, Ryan, give me the trade package for this. I want to hear it because I want to get it done. Yeah, so if you're somebody who loves, like, prospects and, like, ah, I love these guys, it's going to be really good, uh, please close your ears for this next segment because a Luis Arise and Jesus Cesardo deal, you're giving up everybody. Like, you're, like you're, you're Spencer Jones and Chase Hampton, like, if you're, like, one or the other, nah. Like, that's not even a, like, it's a foregone conclusion that both of those guys would be gone. Um, Peraza isn't one of the main pieces in this. He's probably, like, the fifth or sixth guy in this deal, but they do need middle infield help, and, like, I imagine throwing him in there, he has some value. Like, just kind of picture him as if the Yankees threw in a top 30 prospect. He's probably more valuable than a top 30 prospect. So, yeah, win. Uh, Clark Schmidt, they probably need to start to replace Lazardo. Schmidt, I don't think he's better than Lazardo or close to Lazardo or anything like that, but four years of control, cheap, you know, that's a starter, I guess. And then for the upside guys, two guys I think could have their stock boost next year. That's Roderick Arias, who was placed on Baseball America's Top 100 list. Wasn't on Baseball Prospectus' Top 100 list. They do have some concerns about his hit tool, and I think those concerns are very real and very fair. Um, but he could blossom into like a like a Top 50 guy. Like this is like one of the best prospects in baseball. He, you know, he's kind of in his like 2021 Jason Dominguez time frame where it's like the hype is there, but has the, has a production match to hype, not necessarily. And Dominguez, on the other hand, like he went out and had like a generational 2022 
2022. He took one of the biggest prospect leaps we've seen in a while. Is Arias going to do that? Like, that's the question mark here. And that's what the Marlins will be buying on. And then Augustine Ramirez. Now, Augustine Ramirez probably has the only guy on this list to never feature on a top 100 list. But Ramirez is a guy who's 21 years old. I think he turned 22 in September, actually. So excuse me on that point. But he's hit a ball above 114 miles an hour. Great raw and game power. Already on the Yankees 40-man roster. He's a catcher. The Marlins don't have any catching. Like, their catching depth sucks. Like, no disrespect to, to their catchers because I'm sure they're great people, but they're horrible. Um, so, yeah. Um, Ramirez would give them a guy that's on their 40-man roster who they can kind of fast-track a little bit because the glove is good. And not saying that catchers should be rushed to the major leagues, but if you're a good defender... You can kind of figure out the bat at the major league level. As long as you're a good defender, you're going to work for a team because you're going to be able to provide value. But yeah, those six players are what you're going to have to give up probably as like an initial offer. I don't even know if the Marlins say yes. Like, I'm going to be honest with you. And I'm not I'm not even like the big, like, I like Jesus Cesardo and I like Luis Arise, but I don't think these guys are like future Hall of Famers or anything like that. I just think they're pretty good players. Um, but they have years of control. Luis Arise has two and Jesus Cesardo has three. They're cheap. Like, remember, you're, you're getting players who would, if they hit free agency, cost you at least $100 million to acquire, and you're getting them at their pre at their arbitration number, so that's part of the value here too. Um, and of course, like you're probably the best team in the world. So that's like, would you trade those players to be the best team in the world? Maybe, like probably. Like the Yankees would have to say yes to this, I think. I think the Marlins would be the team that maybe is like, yeah, so can we get like, you know, Chase, can we get like, you know, Will Warren instead of like, you know, Clark Schmidt, or can we get like, you know, Austin Wells instead of Augustine Ramirez? Like they might try to swindle the Yankees into giving up more, but the more realistic outcome, I think, would be trading for just one of the two. And if you're trading for just one of the two, I think Jones, Peraza, Ramirez is kind of like a fair package. Maybe throwing like a fourth piece, like a pitcher. I don't know. Like, you know, Carlos LaGrange is in the Florida Complex League. He's like 6'7 and throws 100 miles an hour. And like, who wouldn't want a guy who's 6'7 and throws 100 miles an hour? Even if they can't start, like, who wouldn't want that in their bullpen? How many guys are 6'7 and throw 100 miles an hour that don't have any value to any MLB team? Like, they, they, they find roster spots, right? It can't teach 100 miles an hour. Um, and if you ask me if I would give that up for Luis Arise or Ch- Jesus Cesardo, the answer is fuck yeah. Like, absolutely. Like, yes. I love Spencer Jones, and he's a consensus top 50 prospect in baseball. But, uh, you know, the average outcome of, like, the 30th to 50th best prospect in baseball isn't being Luis Arise. It's being significantly worse than that. And it isn't being Jesus Cesardo. It's also being significantly worse than that. And end of the day, like, I just want to win baseball games. And I love prospects. I think Yankees have a good farm system, but... The Yankees kind of, like, just drafted three top 100 guys in the last draft. So, am I going to sit here and be like, man, how are the Yankees going to replace Spencer Jones? Like, they traded Ken Woldachuk, and I have never, like, he's awful with Oakland. And the Yankees then drafted two guys with a second and sixth round pick who are better. So, like, you can draft these guys. You can you can find a top 100 prospect in the draft. The Yankees shit them out like nothing. Like, no joke. Like, I, 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 I promise you people have never heard of Chase Hampton before he became a top 100 prospect. So, yeah, like I and I think you're in lockstep with me here. Whatever it takes. Yeah. So run me through that six man real quick. So just run me through. Uh, yeah. So Arise for who's who are the six guys? Jones and Hampton are your headliners. Those are your two like lock like 100 percent their top hundred guys. Peraz and Schmidt are like your major league depth. They're like all right, they help you right now and they they're they're young and they're controllable and they're not you know expensive and you could probably extend both of them if they were good. And then Arias and Augustine Ramirez, Roderick Arias and Augustine Ramirez are both like those like younger guys. You know, they could become like legitimate top 100 prospects. Those are the two guys that like if you're a Yankee fan, you should probably look at them and say if we traded them, like that's it's not a bad thing, but 
they could probably burn you down the road. Um, those are two guys, not saying Jones and Hampton can't, but those are two guys who you'd be trading at sub 100, top 100 prospect value, and they could become them. Um, so yeah, like I feel like it was a good mix of like upside, present MLB value, like Jones and Hampton were both in double A last year. Um, and, and I think it gives the Marlins what they're looking for. You get pitching, you get position player depth, and you get upside. Yeah, so this trade makes you, you know, if not the best team, the best team in baseball, realistically, because you're adding a rise and Lazardo. Um, and this lineup is absolutely gross when you really run through it. So if you really, if you deal for Luis Arise, this is what you're dealing with. You have the platoon of catcher with Wells and uh, with Wells and Trevino. You got Rizzo at first base. You're still going to run out Glaber at second. You're still going to run out Volpe at shortstop. In this scenario, you're throwing Luis Arise at third base, and you're just kind of saying, whatever the defense is, I'm going to take the bat. Then you got Verdugo in left field. Then you got Judge in center. And then you got Soto in right field. Then you got DH. That's your stand, right? That's the best lineup in baseball, guys. It, 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 I don't know if it's the best lineup in baseball, but at least it competes with the Los Angeles Dodgers. You're a super team. That makes you a super team. And the reason why it's so enticing for the Yankees to make a deal like this, especially with the Marlins, is the Marlins aren't going to pay these players. They're, they're just not going to do it. We saw what they did in 2017 when they ended up dealing off Stanton and Yelich and Azuna and all those guys because they just didn't want to pay them. Um, so... I feel like we're going to see this kind of new wave again. They're just not going to want to pay their players. And Arise has this year and the next year of control. I want to say Lozardo has two years of control as well left. So he has three years of control. So, again, these two guys are not going to get their money. They're going to get flipped on the trade market eventually. And I think the Yankees would be the perfect landing spot because I love Luis Arise. And I think he'd be perfect for this lineup. That's your leadoff hitter every single day for the next seven, eight years, no matter what. Best hit tool in baseball. That's one of my favorite players in baseball, dude. I absolutely love Luis Arise. And him and those Yankee pinstripes, my lord. Like, even if you let Glaber Torres walk in free agency next year, that's your second baseman. There you go. You just go right back to DJ at third base and, like, do whatever or find somebody else. But, again, that's your new second baseman, right? So, but for the time being, you add him with Glaber, boys, that's dangerous. You're going to the World Series. Like, I'm stamping it you're going to the World Series, without a doubt. Um, Yeah, so that's all I got. That was all of our questions. That was our five. Um, I really like these questions. They were great. I want to say we probably do these like at least once a month, right? And they're like, they're a good time because again, we get to reach out to you guys and we get to answer your questions and what you're hearing. Obviously right now there's nothing going on except for that Van Meter guy that just signed with the Yankees today. So we need some stuff to talk about. So we love answering your guys' questions. This was an absolute blast. Thank you guys for tuning in. Guys, if you're listening to us on YouTube, do not forget to hit that subscribe button, hit that like button, comment down below some of our responses. I mean, you know, you can go back and forth with us. We will respond to you. Um, obviously, check out all of our socials at Fireside Yankees on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, pretty much everything that you could find us on. Just search us up on the internet, you'll find us. All right, guys, thanks for watching, and we'll see you next time.